0: Chapter 25 of The Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Brittany Lynn. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. Chapter 25 The Old Mill. Our Christmas vacation was over, and we were back in school so we had to hold our regular meeting again every day after school. Shadow Loomis was very much interested in his camera that he got for Christmas, and every day he asked me to go out with him to take pictures. But I told him, as I was a secretary, I had to stay in and write down the doings of the club, and I couldn't be fooling my time away like that. Well, by the time I get through writing, these winter days, it's too dark to take pictures, so Shadow would go out alone, or with Robbie Hood or Herb or somebody, And then he would come back and develop his pictures in the clubhouse after it got dark, using his little red lamp to see by. And every day he would show me the pictures he took the day before. And one day he showed me a picture of the old haunted mill. It was a fine picture and he had it enlarged and put in a frame by some photographer in Watertown, before he even told me he had taken it. "'Here, Hawkins,' he said, when he handed it to me. "'This will look nice up on the wall.' I frowned as I looked at the picture. I could see Shadow was disappointed. He thought I would just praise him to the skies for it, but I shook my head. "'You know the rules,' I said. "'One of our strict ones is not to go up near the old haunted mill "'or anywhere around Banklet Creek. "'This picture proves that you broke the rule. "'You couldn't have taken this picture unless you were up at the old mill.' Ah, oh, have a heart, Hawkins,' he said. "'You know you can trust me. I won't get in any trouble. "'Anyway, I thought now that Pooley promised not to fight us any more, "'and Long Tom is gone,' There ain't anything to be afraid of any more. I nodded my head slowly. I guess you're right, I said. It seems like it ought to be safe now. Sure, said Shadow. Now that Pooley's gang is broken up and Long Tom's gone... Do you believe, broke in our old skinny guy, who was sitting beside the desk listening, Do you believe that Long Tom is gone, or that Pooley's knights of the square table have busted up? We both looked at Link without replying... I asked him a question instead. "'What do you know?' I demanded slowly. "'For the skinny guy was our scout and our spy. "'It would never surprise me to hear him tell something startling. "'He laughed at my question. "'I was just waiting to tell you,' he said, "'that I was paddling down the river close to the shore in my old canoe "'when I got to the mouth of the creek. "'I happened to notice that there was something moving across the hill. "'I pulled in and watched.' It was Pooley's knights, about a dozen of them, all riding ponies, going along slowly on the ridge of the hill. They got away from me, or I'd have found out where they was going and what they went to do. By the time I crossed over and fixed my canoe safe and scrambled up the ridge, they'd gone. Those ponies travel fast. I shook my head and began to tap the desk with my pen holder, and that's a sure sign that I'm beginning to figure out something. I was trying to figure out whether or not Pooley would really live up to his promise. His gang never to fight ours anymore. But the more I thought of it, the more worried I grew, because I know boys pretty well. And while they patch up their differences and intend to continue friendly, it doesn't take much to start a fight. And I knew that it was almost impossible to keep all of our boys from running into some of the nights somewhere, sometime. At last, I threw down my pen and put the stopper in my inkwell. Today... I said to Shadow, I will not write. Today, I am going out with you to take some pictures, and I think I'd like to take some pictures of the scenes along Banklet Creek. Sure, said Shadow simply, and he smiled. Best place for pictures for us. Let's go. We took the skinny guy along. We paddled down the river in Jerry Moore's long green canoe. The weather was pretty cold, and even though we wore gloves, our fingers grew cold as we paddled. Thin crusts of ice lined the shore that would cut a canoe like a piece of glass, and we kept well out of the current. We passed Hobbs Ferry just as the ferry boat was starting across, and we waved at Lige Hobbs, the boy who runs the boat. Then we moved swiftly down to the mouth of the creek. "'Just about here is where I first noticed Pulley's fellas,' said Link. He pointed toward the left, where the shore rises to a good-sized hill, a ridge that runs along the river about a half-mile.' I turned my eyes toward where he pointed, and, "'Golly, Moses!' I exclaimed. "'Look!' They looked, and they saw, too, what I saw, and we held our paddles down and slowed up. Upon the ridge was Pooley on a white pony, or rather, a small horse it was. He didn't see us, for he was gazing up the creek. For a minute he sat there like a statue, and then he turned in his saddle and waved his hand. In a few seconds, we could see another pony's head above the ridge, and then another, and another, until there stood upon the ridge sixteen ponies with boys in the saddle. In single file, they began to move along the ridge. "'It's funny,' muttered Shadow. "'Same thing Link told us about. Where do they go every day, I wonder?' We watched them as they moved, slowly in single file along the ridge. It was just like Pooley. He liked to make a parade out of everything. He liked to make a show. And what better show could he make than that beautiful sight of sixteen ponies, I counted them, parading in single file along that ridge. Somehow I envied Pooley. I wished I could do things the way he did. He looked so grand upon that white pony, like a real knight that you would read about in fairy books. Every time I write about him, I say to myself, I take my hat off to Pooley. We hurried over to the other shore and, carefully picking a spot to land, we beached the canoe and were just about to run up the ridge when suddenly Shadow gripped my arm and jerked me back. Hold on, he said in a low voice. We're not the only ones who want to find out where Pooley goes. Look yonder. About a hundred yards ahead of us, a figure had sprung from some unseen hiding place. He was a boy dressed in a short brown overcoat and a pair of long trousers of dark blue color. Upon his head he wore a man's hat, much too large for him. He leaped halfway up the ridge and fell upon hands and knees, lifting his head high to keep out of sight of the pony riders, who were now disappearing beyond, descending. At this instant another figure sprang into view. "'Oh, what a liar!' exclaimed the skinny guy under his breath. It was Long Tom. Long Tom who had told us on New Year's Eve that he was alone now, and that he was going to turn over a new leaf with the new year. Long Tom, who said he was going away. It's him, said Shadow simply. Watch out, we must follow now. Long Tom ran swiftly to where his companion crouched. He gripped his sleeve and turned him about. We moved cautiously some feet forward. We could just hear Long Tom's voice. Be careful, we heard him tell his fowl. Take your time, we don't have to hurry. We can follow the hoof prints, can't we? The other boy turned his face towards Long Tom, and in that instant, I knew him, Odor, the boy who was fourth in line at the Red Runners. When Harkinson lived and moved around this old riverbank, he snarled upon Long Tom. "'Who's doing this?' he cried harshly. We could hear the words plainly. "'Didn't I promise to be a pal to you after you told me you didn't have no more pals?' "'They all give you the shake, eh, Long Tom?' "'All right, let me be, or I might do the same to you.' Long Tom let go his hold of Oder's arm. All right, he said, nodding his head. But just be careful. You wouldn't have been a pal to me neither, less'n I told you I could find the gold and you'd get a half. But you ain't gonna find nothing. If you let Pooley find out you're on his track, he'll know then that you found out about the gold in the lonely house. Suddenly, a sound of music, brass band music, came to our ears. It was not so far away. We saw Long Tom and his pal, Odor, start. They scrambled up the slope. For a moment, they hesitated on the ridge. Then they disappeared beyond it. Come on, I said. Where's the music? We found out as soon as we reached the top of the ridge. The knights of the square table were holding a meeting down in a little hollow. A dozen of their boys were playing brass instruments to the tune of Yankee Doodle. Their ponies were tied to saplings in a circle around the group of boys, who stood around a square table, on each corner of which was a letter K, and in the middle of which was a circle and a letter P. We had seen such a sight before. For some reason or other, Pooley's Knights of the Square Table held their meetings out in the open air. Not always, to be sure. They used the lonely house for a while. Now, again, they were meeting out in the open. "Ah, Ah-ah, I said to myself. This Pooley boy knows something. Pooley is not a fraidy-cat." He isn't afraid of ghosts. He doesn't believe the lonely house is haunted. He isn't afraid of the men we saw there. No, Pooley knew something that he didn't want the other boys in his crowd to find out. He stopped holding meetings in the lonely house because he wanted to keep his gang away from there. Smart boy, Pooley. No wonder Long Tom was left alone. Pooley planned it, and when Pooley plotted, it usually went the way he plotted. All this went through my mind as we watched. "'peeping over the ridge, the meeting of the knights of the square table. "'But where was Long Tom and his pal? "'Nowhere to be seen. "'They had hidden themselves. "'Perhaps they were watching this strange outdoor meeting with as much interest as we. "'Perhaps they could see us watching it, but we could not see them. "'Sly fellows. "'Long Tom and those who formerly belonged to the Red Runners. "'But about the meeting below us. "'Just as soon as the band stopped playing. "'We have a motion to consider,' Pooley was speaking. "'Watts and Grimm have talked the rest of our old-timers to Shake Long Tom. "'They have a gang of their own, Watson and Grimm. "'They want me to take them into the nights again. "'Shall we do it?' "'No, no, no,' came a chorus of voices from the boys around the table. "'We saw that there were two tall boys standing somewhat away from the main group. "'Then a boy stepped forward. "'His broad-brim hat hung low over his eyes. "'He spoke. "'They were true to you, Pooley. "'When you bossed the old gang,' and now they have come back to you. That shows they liked you then, and they like you now. I say, take them back. The others around the square table shouted, no, again, but Pooley waved his hand. I like you, rags, he said to the boy with the hat low over his eyes, and then I knew who that kid was, the boy with the scar. No matter what these kids shout, I'll take Watson Grimm and those who stood by him against Long Tom. Bring him here. Rags motioned to the two tall boys. They stepped forward and laid their right hand on the square table. Pooley said something in a low voice that we could not understand, but I understood this much, that it made Watson Grimm and all those who followed the two tall boys members of the knights again. Pooley made a sign to the boy with a cornet, who raised the horn to his lips. A bugle call came from the cornet. Pooley swung into the saddle of his white pony. Every boy in the crowd held up his right hand and cheered, that is, I thought it was a cheer, but I think now it must have been a salute understood only by them. And then, like lightning, Pooley's white pony wheeled and went galloping away. When he was out of sight, the other knights of the square table began to take their ponies, and one by one they disappeared, going in the opposite direction from which Pooley took. We waited till they were all gone, and the hollow was empty. "'Well,' said Shadow with a grin, is great stuff, isn't it, Hawkins?' I say it is, I said. I wish I could run our club like Pooley runs his nights. Where would you get the ponies? asked Link. Yeah, that's so, I said. We went along now, snapping pictures of different places along the creek, until we came within sight of the old mill. It was almost too dark to snap another picture, but I took a look at the old ramshackle mill, the poor old thing. It was a good mill, once upon a time. Time was when it was a busy place where the meal at ground made a good living for the old miller who had died there, and whose ghost was said to haunt the place. But suddenly my eye caught sight of a white pony, hitched to one of the supports of the old wooden gutter that used to carry water to the wheel. "'Pooley's there,' I said. And he was. Hardly had the words left my lips when Pooley came out the side window, stepped upon the gutter, let himself gently into the saddle of his pony— "'unfastened the strap and putting his heels "'into the sides of the beautiful animal, "'sped away from the mill as fast as he was able. "'We stopped our canoe midstream. "'Pooley had not seen us. "'We had not frightened him. "'What had then? "'Before his white pony had disappeared in the woods beyond, two slinking figures came climbing slowly "'out of the hole in the roof of the mill. "'I recognized them at once. "'They were Long Tom and his pal, "'old fourth-in-line odor,' they took a flying leap together, landing in the soft mud, and ran as fast as they could into the woods. What kind of monkey business is going on in that old mill? exclaimed Shadow Loomis. If you're asking me, I said, I'll tell you I don't know. But believe me, fellas, we got to keep watch on that old mill till we find out. Which we did. End of chapter twenty-five